you are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. We're going to hit on the top 10 stories from around the SEC, the 10 biggest, brightest Heart-pumping stories going on from around the conference. Everything from what's going on with the quarterback situation in Baton Rouge and Nick Saban comparing Jalen Waddell to one of the greatest NBA players of all time. We'll get to that in just a second. Also, we'll catch up with our buddy Carter, the power Bryant, get his thoughts on some of the big stories from around the SEC, including the loss of Jalen Waddell, as we mentioned. And then lastly, we will hit on some of the SEC players of the week. There are only four games over the weekend, so uh, not a lot of teams to choose from, but we'll hit on all of that uh, as well. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure and subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out. We're here for you five days a week. Let's jump right into it. Let's do our top 10 stories from around the SEC. And we start at LSU, where Miles Brennan is going to practice some today. And it's possible he could play against Auburn this weekend. Coach Ed Ogeron said he may play. It all depends on how practice goes this week. Here's Coach O. Uh, Miles is going to practice a little bit today. We're going to see. I don't know yet if he's going to play. He may play. It all depends how practice goes this week. But, you know, we're only going to do about 25% with him today, see what he can do, feel it. He's probably going to be sore, see how he goes throughout the week. Uh, if he can't play, obviously, TJ has done a great job for us. Max is going to do a great job. I'm not putting him in unless he's 100% ready. That again, Coach O, and we'll see. TJ Finley played very well, had a breakout debut against South Carolina this past weekend. So, LSU, you got to feel good about either quarterback going into this game against Auburn. The big question is, how will your defense perform against Auburn? One other story from LSU, their left tackle, Dare Rosenthal, suspended indefinitely from the team, according to Ed Ogeron, and quote, I don't know when he's going to be back. That's a story worth following and seeing what happens there. Over at Alabama, Nick Saban said the prognosis is good for Jalen Waddell after successful surgery. He compared it to the same surgery that Kenyon Drake and Derrick Henry had there. I think Derrick Henry's was a little bit milder, but he said Jalen Waddell's surgery was very, very successful. He said the long-term prognosis for his surgery is very good, and he even compared him to an NBA player. You know, you can't replace a guy like Jalen Waddle in terms of what his ability is, and uh, it's no different than, you know, losing Allen Iverson if your guy scores 30, 40 points a game. He's, you know, that kind of impact player. So Nick Saban comparing Jalen Waddle to Allen Iverson. Over at Mississippi State, Mike Leach says that the quarterback situation remains fluid entering the week where they will play Alabama this week. KJ Costello and Will Rogers He says, are neck and neck, and we'll continue to split the reps this week for the first couple practices. Leach said both quarterbacks have played well, and he doesn't like to split reps. He said, I would like to settle on one. I would prefer that approach, but we've been awfully up and down, so we need to figure out who gives us the best spark. So it's definitely competitive at that position this week. One other tidbit from Mississippi State, the status of running back Kylan Hill still up in the air. When Mike Leach was asked about it, quote, no update. He is still unavailable. Mm, something worth watching there with Kylan Hill. Four-star defensive end out of Birmingham, Alabama, Jeremiah Scooby-Williams announced his commitment yesterday to Florida. 
choosing the Gators over schools like Alabama and Auburn. Williams is a big pickup for Florida. He's the number 54 overall player in the 24-7 rankings for the class of 2021. It'll be the first time Florida has landed a top-five player from the state of Alabama since Solomon Patton back in 2010. The lead recruiter for Florida was linebackers coach Christian Robinson. So a big get there for the Florida Gators. Speaking of the Gators, they introduced blue throwback helmets for their upcoming game against Missouri. The Gators are already planning to wear their 1960s throwback jerseys, which were introduced in 2006 and brought back for Florida's game against Auburn last season. But it's going to be some novelty to the uniform as the team introduced new blue helmets featuring the throwback block F logo. The jerseys harken back the days of Steve Spurrier, who won a Heisman donning those traditional uniforms in 1966. The blue helmet was an alternative helmet used in addition to the white helmet that Florida usually wears with their throwbacks. And it was used as a helmet option back in the early part of the decade before the team adopted the orange helmets in 1969. According to 24-7 Sports, the blue helmets have not been worn by the Florida Gators since 1965. So that'll be a fun one to see Florida against Mizzou. Over at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin wanted to be cl- wanted to clear his mind before his mouth cleared out his wallet on Monday. The Ole Miss coach, after speaking with the SEC, took issue with the league's lack of transparency about its ex- explanation of the non-call late in the Auburn game. He said, I was late for this call because I was on the phone with the SEC director of officials. I asked the side judge on Saturday, why aren't they replaying it? Do I need to challenge it? He said he was told they've already looked at it. There's nothing there. Kiffin went on to say, I'm not allowed to say anything more about the conversation, but I really wish the fans and the players could hear what I was told. Here's a little bit more from Kiffin. I've had to take a, about a five-minute uh, like power yoga class before I walked in here and said what I really want to. Because you know what I'd really like? I'd really like when you guys ask me questions about managing a game or how I play players, just say, well, that's a personal thing, and um, I can't discuss it with you. I would really like to be able to answer those questions like that. So Kiffin. Having to take a little yoga class, calm down before he talked with the media on Monday. Those comments actually not working out well for Lane Kiffin, as we found out uh, late yesterday evening that the SEC issued a statement on the replay in the Auburn Ole Miss game. They basically apologized. They said because the play was not appropriately stopped for further review, the necessary slow motion view of the play was not viewed by the replay official to determine if the ruling on the field should have been reversed. Of course, when Sean Shiver's fingertip touches the ball. Uh, the SEC office conducted a review of the play and appropriately communicated its findings to Lane Kiffin yesterday. Basically called him and said, Coach, uh, we're sorry. We were wrong there. So as we hear Lane Kiffin there, he's obviously very upset, very angry over this. And because they say, however, Mr. Kiffin's use of social media on Saturday following the game to publicly criticize officiating in violation of the conference bylaws and commissioner's regulations. He has been fined $25,000 for his use of social media Saturday after the game. He retweeted a video saying, how did the SEC refs not review this play? I just love that. Lane, you know, they, they call him to say, you were right, we were wrong, but don't you dare say anything bad about us where the officiating in the SEC can be a little hypocritical. And again, nobody celebrates more than Auburn fans. Over at Auburn, Tank Bixby has been outstanding for them at running back. He has run for 386 yards, 6.4 yards per carry in Auburn's last three games. 
It's only the third freshman in Auburn history to run for 100-plus yards in three straight SEC games. The others to do it, Michael Dyer is pretty good, and another guy named Bo Jackson. So Tank Bixby in some very rare territory. I thought it was interesting watching the game against Ole Miss. They come out and run Sean Shivers, the first possession, and I'm going, nothing against Sean Shivers. But Tank Bixby has been your rock. He's been your workhorse. Luckily, they went to him after that, and uh, the kid was running all over Ole Miss. See what he does against LSU this week. I got a feeling he's going to run for a lot of yards on that LSU defense. Sounds like Georgia is going to stick with Stetson Bennett as the number five Bulldogs are seeking, quote, continuity. According to Kirby Smart, when he was asked if Bennett is still the guy, quote, Stetson is still repping with the ones. We've gotten other guys' reps, but that's what you try to do in an off week. Grow your team and get them better. But at the same time, we're trying to create continuity, trying to get better as a team and as a unit. You don't base your season on just one game. You base your season on what gives you the best chance to get better, and that's what we're trying to do. Bennett, of course, had his worst performance of the season against Alabama two weeks ago. No word yet on when we will see JT Daniels, perhaps, at quarterback for the Bulldogs. But it's a good thought by Kirby saying, look, Bennett's the guy. He earned the job. We're going to stick with him and keep that continuity going with the receivers and the offensive line, the run game, and Bennett at quarterback. Lastly, over at Texas A&M, the Aggies had hoped to crank up some sort of tailgating scene for its remaining home games by Halloween, but a bump in COVID-19 cases across the country has ended that notion for now. A&M announced on Monday there will be no tailgating allowed on campus, just like their first two home games because of the pandemic when... Arkansas visits the 8th-ranked Aggies on Saturday night, which happens to be Halloween. In other A&M football news, Coach Jimbo Fisher said receiver Hezekiah Jones and defensive back Eric Young might return this week from respective injuries. So that would be a big boost for that receiving core for Kellen Mond and his crew if they can get Jones back in there at receiver. And there you go. That is your top 10 stories from around the SEC Sitting on some of the biggest stories going on across the conference. When we return, we are going to talk with our buddy Carter, the Power Bryant. We'll get his thoughts on some of the games from this past weekend. Look ahead to a couple of the games this weekend. we got a lot of double-digit favorites in the conference coming up this weekend. But at least we get more games, so that's always a good thing. Carter, the Power Bryant, up next. A quick minute here for our friends at Rock auto.com we tell you this all the time guys stop going to the big auto parts dealer across town to go try to find what you're looking for and they don't have it and they gotta back order it and it takes forever to come in rockauto.com has tons of auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers we tell you all the time you can get tail lamps you can get motor oil you can even get new carpet for your car whatever you need for the daily driver or even the classic car guy the guy who's got the car that he works on on the weekends in his garage you can get everything you need with a few easy clicks delivered delivered directly to your door rockauto.com their catalog is unique very easy to navigate. You'll see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands. All you do, you put in your make, you put in your model, you put in your gear. Boom. There it is. Everything you need. Best of all, the price is at rockauto.com. Always reliably low. And the same for professionals or do-it-yourselfers like you and I. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts at the big dealers? Go to rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us section so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. 
You know, for people like us who host podcasts and do radio shows and all this, we always feel like we're on. We always got to be on. When do we get a moment to chill? Well, that's when we're able to sit down and get a fresh Coors Light in our hands. These days, everything is go, go, go. Nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family, a million different issues we're facing on a daily basis. Sometimes you just need to slow down. And there's only one beer out there that is literally made to chill and help you chill and that is Coors Light. They want you to know no matter what sport you're watching this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. Talk about it all the time. That's what I do every single Saturday. I am parked right on the couch, and in my hand, you will find a fresh, cold Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need a little unwinding, so when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill, get Coors Light, and get them in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. You don't even need to leave the house. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Locked on SEC rolling along here, and real excited to talk with this guy. Anytime we can talk all things SEC football with our man Carter, the Power Bryant. You know him from his YouTube channel, Power Hour, with Carter, the Power Bryant. He talks LSU, but he keeps up with everything around the SEC. He joins us now. Carter, my man, halfway through the SEC season schedule. It's kind of depressing, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of depressing, but we are... (laughs) Starting to get a taste of what week to week SEC football is like, and you know, Chris, here's the most underrated thing. I, it it just kind of hit me. I went to Arkansas's campus this weekend for my my best friend's wedding, and you know, this was crazy, Gordy. And this could be a revelation, but there are so many of your lovely listeners that have to deal with the Saturday fall wedding thing. But guess what? These lovely people at this wedding I was in, it was a super fancy wedding, but one of the best things, it was a Thursday rehearsal dinner, Friday ceremony wedding, and all Saturday I got to watch college football. This could be a major remedy for all our problems, right? That's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the way you got to do it. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. If you're going to do a fall wedding, you just move it to a Friday or move it to a Sunday or move it to somewhere else where it's not in the middle of, of uh, college football season. But I have seen, like, you know, there in the past, the cupcake weekend is typically where you do your SEC wedding. So if Alabama's playing the Citadel on a Saturday at 2, two o'clock, you can do the wedding that night. But, yeah, exactly. not certainly not in a season where we get SEC on SEC. Let me start there. I just mentioned Alabama. Big news over the weekend. They lose Jalen Waddle on the first play of the game against Tennessee. I tend to think, look, it stinks. You never want to lose a talent like that. I still don't think losing Waddle is going to cost Alabama down the road. I think some people might argue the, the counter that maybe when you get in the playoff, you would have liked to have a, a return man against an Ohio State or a Clemson or whoever you're playing. But overall, the loss of Waddle at Alabama, what do you think? I think it's huge. I think it's ginormous. I thought after watching Jalen Waddle dominate the Alabama, excuse me, the Alabama Auburn game last year, which 
you know, if there wasn't this guy named Jamar Chase, if he didn't exist, uh, Jalen Waddle's game against Auburn would have been the most dominant performance from an SEC wide receiver last year. And this year, Gordy, he got even better. And if Waddle was healthy, I'm not sure as an NFL franchise if I wouldn't take – and trust me, you know me, Gordon, Jamar Chase's biggest fan. And Jalen Waddle was really popping. He was making safeties think twice about getting into the box simply because of his speed, his physicality on screens and everything else. So, yeah, Alabama has Mechie. They have Bolden. They have all these other weapons that they can use. Jalen Waddle is only Jalen Waddle, the same way LSU had Jamar Chase, but they don't have him this year. Yes, LSU's passing attack is still great, but they would be even better if they still had Jamar Chase. Same thing holds true here. Matt Jones is still going to make a lot of big plays, but they become just a little bit more stoppable since they don't have number 17 the rest of the way. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, even last season against uh, LSU in the game where Tua fumbles the ball early. What gets Alabama the momentum back into that game is the Jalen Waddle return. And of course, uh, anybody who has since kicked him the ball, I've called crazy. You don't want to put the ball in that guy's hands ever. Right. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, John Mechie has turned out to be a dynamic, uh, you know, deep threat for Alabama. And of course, Devontae Smith is still a monster. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, course, we'll, yeah. we'll see if the loss of Waddle, um, you know, has an effect on Alabama down the down the way. What did you make of Auburn getting the benefit of another, I guess we'll call it no call by the refs again? It just seems to happen every single week for them. Yeah. Uh, one thing about Auburn is, like I said in the last podcast I did with you, and if people want to hear me have a total meltdown on your show, they should go pull up our last episode. You know, they're not getting coached all that well, and it's not quite Gus Malzahn's fault, but... You know, when you hire Chad Morris to run your offense, you're not going to get better. In fact, it's going to make your team way worse, and that is exactly what's happened to Auburn. They lose a key offensive lineman for the rest of the year from that game, too. So, yes, Auburn has gotten very, very, very lucky. You know, let's be honest. They don't really look that good. When you lose Derrick Brown, when you lose all these key players, a lot like what we've seen from LSU, you're going to take a step back, and that's what we see from Auburn. You know, this is the first year where these kids have to play a good team every week. And, yes, Vanderbilt's horrible, but each and every week you're playing someone new, and that changes everything. You don't get the cupcake games. You don't get the conveniently placed by weeks that you normally get. And because of that, you're going to see more injuries. You're going to see more teams look great one week and then the next week come out totally flat and get beaten. So we've seen that. And, you know, so far Auburn has looked bad in games, but somehow miraculously find a way to win them. That luck will eventually run out. (laughs) It's uh, it's interesting too. Uh, Lane Kiffin, of course, came out uh, yesterday and and criticized the the refs a little bit and and 
um, you know, retweeted a video of uh, look like Sean Shivers touched the ball as Pinky gets bent back on the kickoff, and they don't even review. It. And the SEC refs basically said, "Hey, Lane, here's what here's the deal." And oh, by the way, you can't talk about this conversation we just had. It's amazing how the SEC refs just seem to do that. I mean, it, at least the NBA has come out and they do like a final two minute report and they say, "Hey, look, we got these calls wrong. We're putting it out there. We'll try to be better." The SEC and and honestly, most of college football would rather say, no, nah, let's keep this under wraps. Let's uh, let's not talk about this ever again. Hey, what did you make of LSU looking more like the team we saw last year, the reigning national champs, uh, with a change at quarterback? The true freshman T.J. Finley looked good, and LSU's defense, they weren't lights out, but they were way better against South Carolina than what we'd seen through the first few weeks from LSU's defense. So I always tell people that, watch my channels and I'm actually uploading a video on my power hour LSU about this game. And you know what, Chris, this happens all the time when things tend to look a little too good for things that normally don't turn out to be too good. There has to be something, you know, there has to be something missing. And it finally hit me. Yes. TJ Finley was great. Yes. This LSU defense looked just a little bit better. They still weren't great. They still gave up 7.9 yards per play, which is more than any team had in college football all of last year. So they looked better, but they also looked healthy because they had that bye week. They had the off week against Florida. Now, why is that important, Tish? Why is that the first thing I say about T.J. Finley's performance? Well, it's because if the Florida game happened, we don't even know if T.J. Finley would have been the starter. It was this last week of practice where Ed Orgeron said, you know what, I'm going to go with T.J. Finley. And, Chris, I had people telling me last week that Max Johnson was the Florida guy. So, LSU, much like Auburn, got a huge lucky break getting that off week because of, obviously, the, the pandemic knocking out 20 Florida Gators. So, very unfortunate for South Carolina to have to play a healthy LSU team coming off a bye week. But when I went back and rewatched the game, Chris, LSU looked so much fresher. They fixed so many of these small mistakes. And those mistakes get fixed when your team gets healthy. So if P.J. Finley is as good as he was, and like you said, he was amazing. Only four incompletions, only one interception. His threat running the football was a huge difference maker for LSU. We have to see if he can do it against Auburn because against Auburn, he's not going to have the two weeks to get ready for an opponent. It's interesting when I look at some of the games this weekend, Carter, in the SEC, there's a lot of uh, double-digit favorites, put it that way. Not not a lot of games expected to be good, but... Uh, you know, LSU-Auburn is the closest one. It's around a three-point uh, spread. And, you know, honestly, both teams are unranked. And it's been a long time since we've had that. But the one game that keeps catching my eye, and I know Texas A&M is an 11-point home favorite, but Arkansas going to A&M, I am just so impressed with Sam Pittman, the job he's done, the job that Barry Odom's done as, as the new D.C. there. And I, I don't know, maybe I'll talk myself into it as the week goes along, but... I just, 
I think Arkansas can hang with A&M. Uh, Felipe Franks has been much better than I expected. And honestly, A&M, last time we saw him, they looked okay against Mississippi State, but it wasn't anything to write home about. What do you think? Can Arkansas hang with the Aggies? This has happened so many times. And, you know, I grew up in South Arkansas where Arkansas is a double-digit underdog. And they look kind of good. And right now they're looking very good. They've been probably the story of the SEC. And it just looks glaringly obvious to us, Chris, and to us non-sharps out there that, oh, wow, of course, 11 points, Arkansas is going to cover this like crazy. But any Razorback fan that listens to your show or John Neighbors in the Locked On Razorback show, anytime expectations go positively and Arkansas has positive vibes going through their program, Something negative happens. And everything, Chris, everything, including all the pigs that fly right now in Fayetteville, Arkansas, says that Arkansas will easily cover an 11-point spread. They had an off week. They have the best defensive coach in the SEC right now in Barry Odom. But because of the history of that, it makes me a little worried. So I was looking at some of the matchups in that game, and actually do think Arkansas will keep this game competitive. So... You know, I, I think Arkansas's defense will be able to hold Texas A&M, but I'm a little concerned about Arkansas's offense going up against Jimbo Fisher's defense, and we'll just see what happens. Yeah, this is the first time in, in six years that the, the game will not be played in Jerry's World in Arlington. It's going to be back on a campus. It'll be a Kyle Field uh, in Texas A&M, and uh, I think a big part of that is the safety protocols and all that, but I wonder if they ever do go back playing at Jerry's World because this is a game that's more fun on the college campuses. Now, A&M has won eight straight in the rivalry, but man, you look back, three of those games went to overtime. This game always seems to be close every year, and Honestly, this may be the best Arkansas team we've had in the last six, seven years, so we'll see uh, if they could give A&M a game. I just think that they, they have a real shot to win this one. I may, I may end up betting on it before it's all said and done. Carter, the power, Bryant, of course, you could check out his work uh, on uh, Twitter. He's on Twitter, at Carter, the power, and of course, his YouTube tube channel, The Power Hour with Carter, the power. Looking forward to seeing your video later today, man. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm telling you, Chris, this is great stuff because, legit, the week-to-week thing, and remember, these are college kids that are still going through classes and all of that. When you have to do all that course load and you have to do all this testing, that changes everything. The vacuums and the, the easy lead-ups into difficult games are no longer, and to me, Chris, that makes this sport even better. So I appreciate you having me. All right, thanks for the thanks for the time, Carter. We'll do it again soon, man. Yes, sir. All right, Carter, the power, Brian, dropping a little Sam Pittman there with a little yes, sir, to end the segment. Uh, coming up next, we are going to run through the SEC players of the week after Week Five. There was only four games to choose from, so not a lot of variety. But we'll touch on that next. Rocking and rolling on the Locked On SEC podcast. Our thanks to Carter Bryant. We'll have some other great guests joining us throughout the week. You do not want to miss it. Make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On SEC podcast five days a week for your fresh SEC conversation. Mostly football this time of year, but 
we will get into some recruiting and some basketball when those uh, when basketball gets underway coming up in the spring. But uh, always fun to talk all things SEC football with you five days a week here. And before we uh, call it a podcast, that we do have to mention as we do just about every Monday the SEC players of the week and some really good players getting accolades this week in the Southeastern Conference. We start on offense, the SEC Offensive Player of the Week, Mac Jones, quarterback at Alabama. Do we just go ahead and pencil his name in every single week for this award? My goodness. He's done it just about every week already in the SEC. The junior quarterback once again led the way in a 48-17 victory, this time in Knoxville, throwing for 387 yards and completing over 80% of his passes, 25 of 31, produced a 185.5 passer rating, Against one of the league's better defensive units. Recorded his fourth straight game with at least 380 yards while averaging over 15 yards per completion, over 12 yards per attempt. He counted for 18 first downs through the air. Look, I can't, uh, we're not going to say he's Tua, but the numbers are right up there with Tua. And we'll see as the season goes along. But Mac Jones, certainly much better than I think a lot of people expected this year. Your other Offensive Player of the Week this week, Seth Williams, wide receiver at Auburn. Eight catches, 150 yards, and that go-ahead touchdown, which was the game-winning score, 42-yard catch from Bo Nix with a minute 11 remaining. He recorded his fifth career 100-yard receiving game, and that touchdown was the third fourth-quarter game-winning score of his career. He did one last year against Oregon with nine seconds remaining, and he had one against Texas A&M back in 2018. So congrats to Seth Williams as he has proven to be the go-to target for Bo Nix this year. Our SEC Defensive Player of the Week, Nick Bolton, linebacker at Missouri, led one of Mizzou's most impressive defensive performances in recent memory, posting seven tackles, all solo, a sack, and a quarterback hurry, as the Tigers limited Kentucky to just 175 total yards of offense, its best ever in an SEC game as they beat Kentucky 20-10. to That snapped a five-game losing skid against the Wildcats. Mizzou's defense sensational on Saturday. Held, like we said, Kentucky to 145 total yards, just 47 passing yards, 98 rushing yards. The 47 passing yards allowed was the fewest ever by an SEC opponent since Mizzou joined the conference in 2012. Uh, D.C. Ryan Walters doing a fantastic job with that Mizzou defense, and Nick Bolton, a big reason why. You will know his name as you hear it in the draft. Coming up next spring, he'll be playing the NFL next year. Special Teams Player of the Week over at LSU, it was Trey Palmer. Returned a kickoff 93 yards for a third-quarter touchdown in LSU's win over South Carolina. Became the first LSU player to return a kickoff for a touchdown in Tiger Stadium since October 17th, 1981, when Eric Martin did it against Kentucky. Trey Palmer totaled 118 kickoff return yards on two returns in the game. Shout out to him, really uh, making history there in Tiger Stadium. Your SEC Freshman of the Week. I was a little surprised that they didn't consider T.J. Finley at LSU for this one, but you can't go wrong with Tank Bigsby. True freshman, Posted his third consecutive 100-yard rushing game, 129 yards on 24 attempts with two touchdowns. Had a game-high 198 all-purpose yards when you include his kickoff return yards. 
He's the first Auburn back with three straight 100-yard rushing games since Carryon Johnson did it in 2017. And became the third freshman in school history, as we said earlier, to do it since Michael Dyer and Bo Jackson. 386 yards rushing in his last three SEC games, the most ever by an Auburn freshman in three consecutive conference games since Cadillac Williams in 2001. He leads the SEC in all-purpose yardage, and he's first among freshmen in the conference in rushing yards per game. He's fourth nationally in the last three weeks with those 386 rushing yards. Offensive line player of the week goes to Case Cook, O-lineman at Mizzou. He's a leader on that O-line that absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage against that Kentucky defensive front and helped hold helped Mizzou hold the ball for over 43 minutes. That's the Tigers', Tigers highest single-game time of possession since they joined the SEC. And the 62 rushes were the second most ever by Mizzou in an SEC game since they rushed 67 times at Tennessee back in November of 2016. They allowed just one sack and just six negative plays on 92 offensive plays. Case Cook played 94 snaps on Saturday as the team's Iron Man over the right guard position. He is a team captain, and he's the heralded leader of that Missouri offensive line. And your defensive line of the uh, lineman of the week in the SEC, B.J. Ojolari. We always talk about his brother over at Georgia but B.J. Ojolari, a true freshman, had four tackles, including a career-best three sacks and a quarterback hurry in LSU's 52-24 win over South Carolina. His three sacks totaled 21 yards in losses. Two of his sacks came on third downs, one in the first quarter, one in the third quarter. Both forced South Carolina punts. As a unit, LSU's defense recorded five sacks in the game Saturday against the Gamecocks and uh, returned an interception for a touchdown as well. But B.J. Ojolari doing a fantastic job for that uh, Bo Pelini defense, which got better this week. They're not where they need to be, but they're uh, getting better, and we'll be interested to see how they perform this Saturday at Auburn, taking on Bo Nixon Company, who we know can move the ball through the air. We know they got a good ground game. I think we could end up having a somewhat of a shootout, possibly, if uh, if all goes well with LSU and Auburn on Saturday. That is just about going to do it for this edition of the Locked On SEC podcast. My thanks again to Carter Bryant. We'll be back tomorrow with some great guests joining us throughout the week. You do not want to miss it as we continue getting ready for week six. Halfway through the SEC schedule. Well, not for everybody. Some people had some games postponed they're going to have to make up. But most of the teams halfway through the SEC schedule. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.